millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 26 on artificial intelligence with guest Hannah Miller. I'm Connor Pope, Deputy Editor of Progress, and I'm joined by Deputy Director Stephanie Lloyd and Digital Editor Sam Bright to discuss some of the issues that were raised then. Beware, the sign on the door suggests I'm better off with artificial intelligence once sang Los Campesinos. Was that the lesson that we took from this week's podcast? What, that we're better off with artificial intelligence? Yeah, is artificial intelligence uh, just a general good? I don't think, generally speaking, I think that it can be if used properly. Um, sorry, I didn't get your reference at the start of that, Connor. It's just a 2008 indie music reference. Sam was never going to get thrown that. both of you. It wasn't on the script, so, you know... <laughs> So I think that if we manage artificial intelligence, then it can be. I think the interesting thinking back over the podcast and also uh, one of our previous magazines where James Bloodworth wrote for us about his experiences in low-wage employment. He was in an Amazon factory and they used devices to chivy along their employees to make sure they were productive or not. That seems like... AI. That was in the March issue of Progress magazine. Exactly. Yeah. That seems like AI spy, as uh, The Economist put it this right. week. They're spying on yeah, employees. Yeah. I think that we need to make sure that employees have strong rights to be able to say no this level of interference in work practices this level of exploitation is wrong and we need to make sure that this isn't just harnessed the artificial intelligence isn't just harnessed for the benefit of employers but is for the benefit of both employees and for for customers more generally i think i think that's right and i think in so many ways like the idea that people turn around and are just like artificial intelligence technology is bad i'm going to put my like i'm going to put my head in the sand and it will all go away is ridiculous and actually there is a phenomenal amount of good that it can do when you look at advances, particularly in things like healthcare, what it can do, particularly in some of you know the poorest societies and, and countries around the world, is phenomenal and literally will save lives in terms of what we can do. But you're right, it has to be, how is it regulated? How is it controlled? And I think particularly when Richard was talking about this in the in the episode, when he was talking about the European Union and the idea that like there is going to need to be a global response to all of this. Like there has to be a level of coordination from everybody in terms of how this works. And I think that's the bit that's missing at the moment. Um, but I also think that we will get closer and closer to that. And it's also another way in terms of 
diplomacy and how important that's going to be in terms of technology. I also worry as well that we'll get to a stage with these companies that are developing artificial intelligence like we have with Facebook. So during the initial years, we go, wow, they're dropping blood supplies off using drones in Africa. Isn't this amazing? You know, we'll just let them do what they want. And then 10 years later, we find out that actually they may have been abusing their power. They Hmm. may have concentrated wealth and, you know. But also companies have been doing this for decades. Like this is not new. Like when you look at the things that Nestle did in terms of breast milk, when that was an innovation and pounded breast milk and being able to do that. And like, Whenever you've got innovation, you also have to be careful in terms of regulation and making sure that when it comes to, you know, pure capitalism, that like that is only ever to serve the people that it's there for, which I think is why your point on trade unions is is really important in terms of the rights of workers. And I think that's why it's really exciting to see unions like Community that are doing some unbelievable work in terms of the future of work and really looking at what is the reality of what this is going to do and how do we as a union movement really look at the impact of that and protect our workers, but also enhance the jobs that they can have. I think some of this comes down to the concern about Britain's current productivity rate, which, yeah. which hasn't been great for a long time. And so people will presume that if artificial intelligence can take on more work, then that will be taking work from people. But actually, I think your point about healthcare was certainly is, it was really good because obviously the NHS is a, a kind of stretching point mm-hmm. and actually these kind of little... Um, Hoovers that people have in their in their houses now that can't, I'm literally pe- I want one so badly mostly because I want a dog to sit on it and ride around <laughs> and you go out and the Hoover will kind of Hoover uh, your house itself but actually we're seeing essentially some of that in health service stuff with beds that can move patients around or go yeah. back to and that's actually allowing people to spend more time with patients and do more things that they could be doing better but to come to this month's issue of progress magazine the the cover this week is fully automated luxury social democracy and should have landed with most members and subscribers by now sam what are the highlights for, from this this issue which is all about technological revolution well i just want to clarify first of all that it's not an april fool i know some people who might or might not <laughs> listen to this podcast were a bit confused about that it's not an april fool obviously really enjoyed this uh, issue i think the liam burns piece was one that stood out in particular i think and he's, he's shadow digital minister now isn't he exactly so it's it's reassuring to see that he is really on top of this issue and i think that in particular he showed that we need a framework to really um, take this to the people and i think tying that with Harold Wilson's uh, white heat of technology is a really powerful and potent way to do it. I think lots of people saw that as the the Wilson project, something that could take the country forward into the future and equip it for the future. And I think we're at that stage now where the Labour Party really needs to embrace these changes to make Britain into a truly forward-thinking economy. I think that that Liam laid um, his vision out quite nicely. So we had a comment from Alistair Paul on Facebook, which was left on um, Chris Yu's piece on automation. Chris Yu is uh, the Senior Policy Fellow for Technology at the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change, and I think formerly was at Uber, is that right? Yeah, he was. Um, And so his piece is about an economy where productivity growth has fallen behind. We should encourage the use of robots, not tax them. Alistair Paul on Facebook said it was a a brilliant, thought-provoking article, but how do we respond to this if we reach a stage when work no longer pays or when there is not enough work. My knee-jerk reaction was to think of UBI as a solution, but this criticism of universal basic income is quite right. 
which Khrushchev writes, this poses its own dilemmas in terms of meaning, self-worth and subservience to the state. Now, we had a debate on universal basic income in the February magazine of progress between the RSA's Anthony Painter and London Assemblymember Fiona Twycross. It's not covered enormously in this magazine, but I wanted to just get your knee-jerk reactions to it. Steph, would you know? I think with me, when it comes to UBI, and particularly when you look at it in the technology context that people keep framing it in now, and this idea that, well, we won't have any jobs, so we need to be doing it like... The jobs change, like throughout all of our industrial, like all of the industrial revolutions, all of the kind of work and technology, like work changes in terms of what people do. But what we need to be focusing then on is, well, what is the what is the new basics? Like what are the new normals? What are the new technologies? What are the new emerging economies that we should be doing? And rather than plowing money into universal basic income and saying that we don't think we can upskill people, we should probably just plow that money into lifelong learning and education so that... Like we know now that people don't have the same careers in the way that they used to. They don't leave school or university and go through their entire time having, you know, mostly the same company or the same career projection. Like we know that people have often by the time they're 30, at least five different jobs already in terms of what people are doing and they will change careers. The problem is, is that we don't have from a state level, we don't have an education system that links up to that anymore. It's only, it's still based on an old Victorian idea of the kind of factory model of what happens. So rather than plowing money into universal basic income and saying to people, sorry, you're not going to be getting the jobs that we're going to have anymore. We're just going to put robots in that and you can just hang out. It's so unserving to people. And it's so, it's, I think it's quite demeaning to people in terms of what they can achieve and what we can achieve as an economy in a country. And I think actually we need to be going how do we upskill people? How do we make sure that as jobs change, we we can get rid of some of that lower level admin things and we can really, really put the money and invest into the people that we have because we know that the innovation can come from that then. Sam, what, what, what would be your take on that? To summarise, not a fan. As, <laughs> as usual, 100% agreement with Stephanie Lloyd. Um, <laughs> I'm not giving you any money for that. Oh, oh, come on, you promised. I think that the notion that somehow we're going to be sat around twiddling our thumbs in 20 or 30 years time is absolutely absurd. We're humans, like what we do is innovate, we find new things to do, you know, we go explore, you know, our own planet, other planets, you know, who knows what we'll be doing. And <laughs> Sam so, so, into space travel. Yeah, so the, 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 the visits to Mars as an argument against universal basic income is not one that I previously heard, but I Look, like it. So <laughs> socialist space station, you know, is on the agenda apparently. So why not just running with the theme? I think that this is not a way to prepare us for the modern world. I think we need to upskill, like Steph says, the knowledge economy is going to expand massively and we need to be preparing for that. So when Anthony Painter argues for it in the February magazine, he says that uh, economic insecurity and its harmful impacts on the individual and families is a constant for too many in or out of work. A UBI system could essentially introduce flexi-security as, as opposed to the insecurity that we currently have and and it's been seen in Scandinavia. We'll have a link to that piece at the bottom uh, underneath today's podcast because generally I agree with everything that both of you have just said. So it's not going to be a great debate for a great debate except for the Mars stuff, which is obviously mad. Um, <laughs> so this week, the political pub quiz question I asked was uh, which Labour leader has left and returned to Parliament the most times? Um, I don't think either of you anywhere near getting this right did you how rude <laughs> i'm rubbish at these <laughs> the answer was arthur henderson who was mp for widness newcastle upon tyne east 
Burnley and Claycross with gaps in between each. So that's four times he was an MP, left and then came back through to a kind of fluctuating Labour fortunes in general elections and a number of by-elections. Congratulations to Matt S on Twitter who got that right. Do send your name and address to office at progressonline.org.uk. We will send you a progress mug. Do remember to send in any comments and questions, leave a review, rate and subscribe on iTunes and Progressive Britain will be back on Tuesday next week. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.